Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. You guys, thanks for listening to the Happy Hour. Every once in a while, something happens in my life, and I think to myself, we have to talk about this on the show. It's not someone presenting a book to me. It's not someone saying, hey, can we talk about this new product that I have? But it's me literally going, I want to talk about this. And so in the fall, my husband and I attended an event with David Platt and his radical team. You are probably familiar with David. In fact, he released a book this year that I already read, but we don't even talk about it today. Don't worry. But his book, oh my gosh, will be one of the best books I've read this entire year. It's called Don't Hold Back. And I highly, highly, I mean, highly, highly recommend it. But today we're not talking about that. I told you that my husband and I attended a retreat in the fall with David and his radical team. And I came back and I thought, I want to do some shows about the unreached people groups. And if that term is unfamiliar to you, don't worry, David is going to walk us through it today. But what he's going to tell us is that 3.2 billion people are currently unreached with the gospel. And many of them are enduring unimaginable suffering. So we talk about that today. I want to talk about unreached people groups. And so we're doing a four-part series all about that. And I am so excited. I hope this is something that you learned from. I hope you're inspired. I hope you're encouraged. I hope it moves you into action, whatever that might look like in your own personal life. So first up today is my friend David, and we walk through what does it mean to be unreached? Why are people unreached? What do we do about it? And he is so great at communicating about this. And I really think that you're going to really love this episode. I would love to hear from you. Tell me your thoughts. Send me a message on Instagram. Reply to my emails. In fact, if you don't get our emails, you should get them because we send all the links, everything about every show. You can sign up at jamieivy.com slash newsletter. So if there's anything David and I mention or on any show for that matter, it's always going to be in that newsletter. So sign up for that. Friends, I and beyond excited about this conversation. And I want to let you know as well, if you want to watch our conversation, we have been putting all of our interviews up on YouTube. This one was especially fun because I was in DC for something in January. And so I sat down with David and his film crew team. And we have a really, really great uh, video of this podcast uh, conversation. So go to jamieivy.com slash YouTube. You can find all of our videos there. This one, I would especially love it if you would check out and watch. All right, you guys, here's part one of our four-part Unreached People group series. So these next two weeks is all going to be focused on this. My prayer is that God moves in our hearts as we listen to care and want to do something about the people in the world who have literally never heard the name of Jesus. So God be with us as we listen. Here is my first conversation with David Platt. David Platt, welcome to the happy hour. It is great to be on the happy hour, Jamie Ivey. I need to know why that I've been doing the show for nine years, almost nine years, and you've never been on the show. It's not on you, it's on me. I wasn't saying that as like, David, why you been turning me down? <laughs> well, you've not invited me. I know. Look at me. <laughs> I'm really happy to have you here, and I want to set up this show just a little bit different so everyone knows what's happening. In November or October, I attended an event with you um, with the organization that you run, Radical, which we can talk about in a minute. And it was not intended to be like this ministry. Like, I don't know what y'all's intention was. I don't sit on your board or anything. But it was really just like this equipping thing. But I left 
a little bit changed. And I have sensed God doing a lot of things in my life since then. But one thing it left me with is I want to have conversation on the happy hour specifically about unreached people groups. Mm. And um, I know that I go to a church where this is a common conversation. Obviously, you pastor a church where this is a common conversation. But I have a feeling this is not that much of a common conversation to most people. So I want to talk about it. So let's start here. First, tell us about what you do. You pastor a church in so I pastor Virginia. Church in, uh, it's well, Metro DC. So I live in Northern Virginia, but we have locations okay. uh, in Virginia and Maryland. So kind of surrounding DC. I feel like we're in DC right now, full disclosure, mm-hmm. everybody. And I feel like up here, like I don't actually hardly ever know where I am because if you go like five miles, you're like in another state. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, I don't know where I live. Well, that's one of the, and it's one of the things we love about living up here. I mean, not just the fact that you're in either DC or Virginia or Maryland at any given point, and you could be two minutes away from the other, but uh, just the diversity that comes with that. Like we have, even when I think about locations in our church, we have uh, Montgomery County, Maryland, and uh, Prince William County in Virginia. Those are very, very different places. Like in many ways, polar opposite to each other. Uh, And one's more rural uh, one is uh, definitely more urban and just the so uh, shepherding mm. people from a lot of different perspectives to unite together around Jesus is uh, has challenges but is beautiful when it happens. It puts you in situations where you can't you have to you have to mingle with people who think different than yourself. Yes, and and that's often difficult. It's difficult for humanity and for Christians. Sure, it is, and I think the last few years have shown how difficult it is. But how beautiful it can be when Jesus really is the only explanation for why these people are at the same table. It's amazing, and and we're being challenged. I know I have been. I mean, pastoring here for the last five years, I'm a different person, Mm. and I I hope good ways and more Christ-like ways from sharing life alongside people who are a lot different Mm -hmm. than me and have a lot of different perspectives than me. And not just here. I mean, our church has over 100 different countries represented in it. And so, yeah, there's a lot of sanctification that happens when you are, uh, and joy, when you are walking alongside others in the body of Christ who don't look like you, think like you, haven't grown up like you, have experienced different challenges and have different perspectives than you do. What a like honor that God put you here because mm. that is sometimes difficult to find in our communities that we live in in no. America, yeah. whereas that may not be the same in other parts of the world. So mm. what year did you and Heather move up here with your family to start pastoring? So I started pastoring here in 2017. Okay. Uh, late 2017. We actually moved up in 2018. Okay. It's been a crazy place up here in DC. So welcome to the welcome to the DC life up here. Yes, it has. Um, okay, so pastoring, but I want to talk about unreached people groups, mm-hmm. which is all intertwined with that, obviously. But let's first just define when you say unreached people. What does that actually mean? So unreached uh, kind of takes a step beyond just lost or apart from God, apart from Jesus. So. People are just as lost in that sense in Austin, Texas, Washington, D.C., as they are in uh, Somalia Mm -hmm. or Yemen. The difference is there's access to the gospel in Austin, Texas and Metro Washington, D.C. And and there's Christians, there's churches uh, that are proclaiming the gospel Mm -hmm. uh, in 
Yemen and Somalia, there's very few Christians, very few churches, which means that if you live in one of those places, the likelihood is you will be born, live, and die, and you'll never even hear the gospel. Like you'll never meet a Christian or encounter a church that's proclaiming the gospel. So it means you don't have access. So Mm -hmm. that's what unreached means. It means you don't have access to the gospel. Practically, like I just mentioned, if you're in an unreached place, the likelihood is you'll be born, live, and die and never actually even hear the gospel. And so that's unreached. That's why we, I always encourage people, all right, don't say like, oh, there's unreached people in my office. There's unreached right. people in my neighborhood. No, those people aren't unreached. They're like, lost. Yes, but they have access to the gospel. Yeah. Like, you're it. Uh, they, they have access to the greatest news in the world. We're talking about people and about 3 billion people in the world who fall into this category, who are unreached. I think what you mentioned earlier, I think there's a lot of Christians who don't realize Mm. that reality Mm -hmm. in the world. Did you grow up in the church? I did. Okay, so you've been a a follower of Jesus Mm -hmm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the church myself um, and started following Jesus when I was 21, but knew all about, I mean, been in church since a baby. Uh, and whenever you say that, that there are people in our world who will be born, live, and die, and never hear the name of Jesus, it's really a hard thing for me to even understand. Mm-hmm. Because in America, you don't even have to be a Christian, and you could maybe have friends that are Christians and be able to tell us what the gospel is. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it may not have resonated with you, and you may not be following it, but you have seen the passion of the Christ and mm-hmm. you know, you've seen the chosen maybe and there's this Jesus guy that you have access to. And so it is really mind blowing. I would love to hear from you. When did this become passionate for you? Because mm-hmm. when I think of David Platt, I think of wanting to reach unreached people mm-hmm. groups. And I think you should be proud that that's what people think mm-hmm. of when they think of you. And I think that will be part of your legacy. So when did that become this is going to be a passion for me that's going to change my life and change people's lives, hopefully. I think of two particular instances. One, in college. So, as you were just talking about, like, yeah, I grew up in the church. I wouldn't say, and I heard about mission some, but it, it uh, was a very powerful moment in college when I heard somebody, it was like a breakout session at a conference, and there were like 10 people in the room. And a guy named Jeff Lewis opened the Bible and he walked from Genesis to Revelation and he just showed God's passion for his glory among all the nations from cover to cover in scripture. Mm. And I remember the breakout ended and I people started getting up and leaving. I'm just sitting there with my Bible open, my jaw on the ground, like, whoa, this changes everything. Mm-hmm. Like if if God's passion is his glory being known and enjoyed among all the nations, mm. well then that should be my passion. And uh, so I started wrestling with that. What does that mean? I started thinking, well, that means I need to move to another nation uh, where the gospel's not gone. And so years later, as I'm processing through that, I have a breakfast one morning with a leader of a missions organization. And uh, I told Heather the night before, I was like, hey, babe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell this this guy, we're ready to go. Is that okay with you? She's like, yeah, that's okay with me. And so we prayed. I go off to breakfast the next morning. I say, hey, I see this in the word. I see the need in the world. We're ready to go. And he looked back at me and for about 60 seconds, encouraged me in what I just said. And then he spent the rest of breakfast actually telling me about the need for pastors 
to lead churches among the reached mm. for the spread of the gospel to the unreached. And I was so confused because I... You're like, wait, I said I'm, I want to yeah, go. <laughs> I just signed up. Like, I got back to Heather that night and she's like, how'd it go? And I'm like, I think he talked me out of going overseas. And, and I remember being so perplexed, but looking back on that day, mm. here's why I'm so thankful for that moment. Because I think he, uh, Jerry Rankin's his name, put a category in my mind that wasn't there before. And the cat, there's a type of person who is passionate about the spread of the gospel among all the nations, but who doesn't become a missionary. And then I thought more about it. I was like, well, of course there's that category. It's called a Christian. <laughs> right? Like, if does God want the nations to come to know him and enjoy him? Yes. Like, this is where all history is headed. Revelation 5, Revelation 7. Jesus died to purchase people from every tribe, tongue, people, language, Nathan, nation. He's told us to make disciples of all the nations. Like, he obviously wants this. If I'm a follower of his, then I want this. Mm. Like, this is not just for, that's what, that's part of what I'm zealous for in the church mm -hmm. is to say that kind of zeal is not just for kind of the, strange people who move overseas yeah. or special people who move, like no this is for every single follower of jesus if you have the spirit of jesus in you then you want the nations for mm. jesus and i just think what would happen in the church if that was really our passion mm. what god's passion is and that was how many years ago so that was all and i would say that was 20 years ago 20 years ago. 20 plus years ago, yeah. And that has really become one of your missions in life, is helping to equip the reached mm -hmm. in churches here in America, North America, whatever that sphere might be, to reach unreached people groups. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here, and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike, and it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. 
Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. You know, you talk about how there needs to be pastors and people, and this should be a passion of ours because we have the Spirit of God mm-hmm. in us because we're Christians. Um, but you and I talked about this briefly yesterday because I was kind of telling you some things that God has done in my heart a little bit. Um, it's hard to remember that, these things here in America. Mm-hmm. And I think we have this, I don't want to say unique because I haven't lived anywhere else, but mm-hmm. there is this weird complexity about being a christian in america that frankly it's pretty easy Hmm. i mean it just is how do we keep this on the forefront of our mind when we're moms when we're working pastoring dealing with things in our community you know you said a lot of people will say like well there's unreached people group right here in my town and and you would say well they're lost but they're not unreached how do we as followers of jesus passionately keep this at the forefront of our mind living our regular lives Mm. here in america oh there's a ton there um i think that's where we do need to realize okay uh at the core we're not living for the comforts of America mm. and the uh, and in this sense, the American dream. I, I uh, wrote a book years ago about taking back your faith from the American dream, and it's not to say there's. I'm, I'm so thankful for the opportunities, for mm-hmm. the freedoms, for the and yeah, just so many things we have for sure. At the same time, why do we have them? And we don't have them to to live a comfortable prosperous life according to the standards of this world that's not why we have them we have them we have more opportunity to get the gospel to Mm -hmm. all the nations because of the resources we have because of the freedoms that we have and and so then that starts to transform the way we live right now like as mom as a dad as a uh in whatever vocation we're in um i mean there's a ton we could talk about here but but one, well, God has brought the nations to us. Mm-hmm. So there are unreached people groups around the world that now have come here, individuals who now have access to the gospel. Like, God help us to open our eyes to the opportunities we have right now mm-hmm. to make disciples of the nations wherever we live. And, and then at the same time, through technology, through ease of travel, like we have more opportunities than ever before in history to get the gospel to those who've never Mm. heard it. So how can we each play our part? Like no one of us is Mm -hmm. gonna do this, we're not supposed to, but 
in our individual lives and our families raising up a generation that is passionate about making disciples of the nations like this is what you're created for kids like you're created for so much more than an american dream so i, I want to train you up not just in a way that you get an education so you get a good job so you have a good marriage so you have a good family and you coast your way to heaven like no I, all these things you have education that's going to open doors for the spread of the gospel among the nations mm. you have opportunities to make money that are going to be opportunities for you to get the gospel to people who've never heard it before and you've got opportunities to travel and maybe to move to other places to work in other places around the world with the globalization of the marketplace like why is god designed the globalization of today's marketplace he's done it for the spread of his glory among the nations if we'll open our eyes and see it but this is a it's a worldview shift right right that uh, does then transform the way we view our daily life. Yeah, totally. And um, I have a million miles to go mm-hmm. in this, and I am humbly admitting that to listeners and to, to you. But I remember there was a, a thing that I had that happened in De- probably into November, December, and I was journaling, and I was actually thinking about my time that I spent with you guys. And when I was there, we're going to talk to Stephen on the next episode, he showed a video um, in Iran. Mm-hmm. And I remember I wrote in my journal, if I met an Iranian Christian, what would they think of my life? And I, I can't stop thinking about it. And mm. so it has really kind of altered the way um, that I'm thinking about money and time and resources. And again, I have a million miles to go, but I'm grateful that God is like, I want, ever, I want mm. your whole heart for all of me. And... Um, it's uncomfortable sometimes. I'll, I'll tell you this. I told my podcast already in the, in the beginning of the year, you will relate to this no way at all. Okay, I'm just gonna let you know. No way at all will you relate to this, but I already admitted it to my podcast listeners. So I'm gonna say this is where this came from, was God was talking to me about resources. Like, where are you spending your money? What are you doing? And <laughs> I cannot wait to see your face. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this. This is so dumb. This I'm, is unrelatable I'm so excited to David for whatever's Platt. about to come. But in the fall... <laughs> I feel like such a dork. I got Botox. Okay, okay so you don't get yes, it. Okay, you I, don't get it. Well, I mean, I've not. But Botox, Botox is expensive. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so I have nothing against Botox. I hope the Lord frees me and lets me do this again one day. But God really was like, mm-hmm. "Is that worth your money? Is mm-hmm. that worth your resources?" Mm-hmm. And so He just literally asked me to lay it down. And I jokingly would love it if He asked me to pick it back up. But I don't know that that's going to happen. But it was that sort of stirring where God was just like take a look at your resources mm. and like, is would th- is this what you want to do with the money mm. that I'm helping you earn? And just small things like that that are super convicting for me, just thinking about Christians around the world, which I want to ask you about this. Well, can I just pause there yeah. and say, okay, I've never gotten Botox. But, well, it's awesome, David. Temptation, <laughs> even tempted to, but I mean, I, I totally identify yeah. with that. Like I, it's something else, I fight, obviously. Yes, I, 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 yes, I can think of. I, mean, I was in Matthew nineteen yesterday in my time of the Lord, and rich young ruler, like, yeah, I, and but and it is, it's humbling, isn't it? Like where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Like we don't have to wonder where our hearts are. Our money says where our hearts 100%. are, hundred percent. And uh, I mean that's one of the things, uh, especially as we talk about spread of the gospel among the nations, like. Are our hearts in that? Mm. If so, then our money would be in it. And you look at where our money goes, um, both in our lives and even in the church. Like even when we give to missions in the church, about 99% of what we give to missions actually goes to places in the world where the gospel's already gone, Mm. uh, to places that have been reached. And that's, there's, there's a place for that, but 
it, the percentage point, feels off yes, is what you're saying. We yeah. call that like the great imbalance. Like mm-hmm. that's got to change. That's got to change big time. Uh, if we really want to be serious about getting the gospel to those who haven't heard. But all that to come back to personally, uh, I think as long as we live here, that will be a tension that we wrestle with. And we don't need to um, yeah, feel guilty for every good possession we have. At the same time, we do need to ask, yeah, God, what is? What, how are you calling me to give sacrificially and generously for what matters in eternity? And I'm grateful for the tension. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like if I'm not feeling the tension, I feel really scared about my life. Yes. If I'm just like, everything's great and awesome, and I'm just exactly where I need to be in my journey with the Lord, because I feel like we're growing mm-hmm. until we meet Him. And so, you know, you've, you've traveled around to a lot of these unreached people, places and countries, mm-hmm. and, and, and seen the, the groups, and a lot of them are pretty what we would call consider unsafe places. Mm. Um, can you tell us a, just a story or something about some interactions that you've had around the world with people either hearing the gospel for the first time or being in places where they're not allowed to have the gospel and yet they do? Oh, I think of I think of the mountains of the Himalayas. I mean, that's the first place that comes to mind. Well, well now all kinds of other places are coming to my mind. But, uh, I mean, this is a place where you're walking on trails uh, trekking through the mountains and yeah you come up to people and you say what do you know about jesus and they're like who's that like they don't never even heard know his name. yeah i mean there's a lot of people who would be considered unreached who know about jesus but they they don't know the truth about jesus they've been told lies about jesus or they know about jesus about as much as we might know like of aristotle okay? right he was a philosopher or right. something but but this person i mean th- these are people who've never even heard his name mm. and uh and they think you're talking about somebody in a village somewhere else. Like, uh, so to, it's pretty awesome to, I mean, this should not be that this many people don't know his name. It's also pretty awesome to introduce somebody to Jesus for the first time and, and to tell them the good news of who he is mm. and what he has done for them. Uh, and so then I also think about that same area, these same villages where we, Finally, after days of trekking, came upon a church. So there was a small church meeting. And I mean, these brothers and sisters like crammed into this little one-room house. And we're all sitting around and studying the Word. And these, these brothers and sisters in Christ are experiencing all kinds of hardship. One, they live in poverty. Mm-hmm. And two, persecution. Like they're... And these particular villages, uh, a lot of belief in gods and spirits. And so you're like bringing a foreign god that's going to compete with other gods. And I think about one story of this one girl. Um, her parents had come to know Jesus. She came to know Jesus. She led her parents to Jesus. Then when the village leaders found out that her parents were followers of Jesus, uh, well, they were out one day uh, and word came back that a landslide had come and our parents had had died in it well the truth was village leaders had actually stoned her parents oh my gosh and thrust them down the mountain um but this girl uh i I wish you could see just uh her face her love for and trust in jesus she wrote like the first worship song in her language and it was after her parents had died and it was all about how jesus is worthy of our trust and he's worthy of our lives and like that's this Mm. is this is uh this is the body of christ this is the gospel on display in beauty and 
like I just I want to be a part of it, mm. making that good news known all around the world and coming alongside brothers and sisters like that all around the world. Mm. That's what I mean when I say like uh, we've got bigger dreams than the American dream, mm. a lot bigger dreams. Yeah, is that the song that you guys played for yeah. us? Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, we played it at that at that conference, and I have to be careful because we don't we don't play that song anywhere. But I mean. Uh, like publicly because uh, there's still a lot of risk mm-hmm. for uh, her and that church in uh, that part of the world. So, uh, and that, that also is, it's part of what, the more we learn about, the more we come alongside and specifically meet brothers and sisters in other parts of the world who are in unreached context or difficult, which those usually go together. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why the gospel is not gone to these places it's hard to get the gospel there it's difficult it's dangerous like all the easy ones are taken and so (laughs) but the more we come alongside and and get involved in the more we're giving to the more we're praying for working that and the more it transforms our perspective Mm. on our lives here like if i'm not care i don't it's dangerous for me to live in a bubble here where i'm not seeing and praying for and giving to and 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 playing a part in uh, getting the gospel to those places in the world. And that's not just for me. We, we all have opportunities to do that in ways that will be really transformative for us in our lives. Here. Yeah. And, and you mentioned earlier that there are just people from these unreached people groups in our country, like in our cities. Mm-hmm. And I live in Austin, Texas, and we've got Refugee Services of Texas right there in Austin. Mm-hmm. And that is just a beautiful opportunity. You can sponsor a family. Yes. You can meet a family at the airport. Like all these things. So there are ways neither you or I are saying you got to pack up and head over. You made that clear at the beginning, but there are ways even to have connections with people from around the world in a lot of communities in our country. Yes. I would say, yeah. And obviously I I don't know every single community in our country, but most, I mean, I live in a unique place in Metro DC where that, so many opportunities uh, everywhere. I mean, every Uber or Lyft ride is going to be with somebody. And it's usually from an unreached part of the world Mm -hmm. that I'm having an opportunity to share the gospel with. But yeah, to open our eyes, uh, because this call, the command to make disciples of all the nations, it starts right where we live, and to make sure we're not just making disciples among people who look like us mm-hmm. and think like us right around us. Like, this is where, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for connection between how we need to grow in, our, in the multi-ethnic, multicultural beauty of the church here as we think about making disciples among the nations, because it just doesn't make sense mm. for us to say, yeah, we're passionate about spreading the gospel to all the nations when everybody that we're focused on in our church just looks like us and thinks like us. Makes it harder, too. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about secret church. Mm-hmm. So I was telling someone that you work with yesterday that I am not very familiar with it. My familiarity goes to this is my friend Anne, a mutual friend of ours Mm -hmm. cries when she talks about Mm. it. She says that her family has participated for years and I'm like, what it like, what, what do you participated in? Tell me about it. And so I'm coming to the source. So tell me about secret church. Uh, I love that picture of Anne. Oh, you can see her. her, Yes. Yes. Um, But so secret church started uh, as a result of uh, some time I'd spent overseas in underground house churches where, I mean, it was it was like 8 to 12 hours a day or l- very late into the night, almost all the way through the night, we're studying the Word in secret places where uh, if they're caught, like, I mean, I had to be exported from that country. 
uh, just kicked out. They would be put in prison or worse. You were and exported so, by who? No, I would be. If oh, we, if we I was were like, caught. okay, I let's talk about this. No, no, no. no. You're like, whoa, that's a follow-up question. <laughs> that's a follow-up question. No, I was not. But that's what would happen to yeah. me. Yeah, okay, got it. They had a lot more risk is right. what I'm saying. But anyway, and they were so hungry for the word. So hungry. And so uh, uh, we came back. And uh, we were sitting around in the uh, church I was pastor at that time in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, Church of Brook Hills, and it was, we were like, why don't we study the Word like that? Mm. And why, what, what if we just got together like 6 to midnight one night and invited whoever wanted to come, and we just had intensive studying the Word, and we prayed for the persecuted church around the world. We call it Secret Church. So it's like, okay, let's try it. And that first time, there were about 1,000 people who came, and it was, it was awesome. Uh, just like at midnight, seeing people with the word open and mm. praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters. And so then we did it again the next year. We actually were doing it a couple times a year and more people started coming, more people. And so then it, I mean, long story short, so this is, uh, I don't know, close to 15 years later. Um, so we'll have, I don't know, I don't know how many thousands, I wanna be careful and estimate, but a lot of people around the world uh, who simulcast Secret Church. So we do it uh, usually every April and uh, so we'll do, we'll pick a topic um, like this year we're doing uh, we're walking through the book of Jonah so it's going to be intense and it is it's intensive study in the Word uh, from about six to midnight um, uh, or it usually goes a little bit later and then we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world and we give to get get behind them to say say you're not alone and mm. it's aw- it's been one of my favorite sites like to see like however many people thousands and thousands of people like with the word open at midnight just Mm. diving into it as we're praying for the persecuted church uh so yeah that's secret church well as you guys are listening um this is happening in about two weeks and we'll have four episodes on unreached people groups and it actually will come out that it will be a part that night so people Mm. can register i'll put it in the show notes and let you know how you can do that and i think that i heard you guys streamed more than like fifty thousand people i'll just let you uh, yeah it's insane it's awesome it's awesome Every state, every, tons of countries, and and just diving into the word and praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters. So we've been talking about you know people who have never heard the name of Jesus and the gospel, and now we're talking about people who are following Jesus at a great great cost. Mm-hmm. It meeting in secret, potential for death, persecution. Um, how do we in our North American context here in in America for sure as the you know evangelicals what does it mean for us to spur on those people to mm. like what are the prayers for them what are the things that we can do how do we, I mean that's another thing that you're like keeping that in the forefront of their mind that we're all one body mm-hmm. and part of our body is in distress a lot just to follow Jesus yes you know and that's also a foreign concept for so many people and unless you're thinking about that on the daily basis you can forget mm-hmm. you know and you can speak more to this but you know there was a season where a lot of there was a lot of talk about persecution happening in America mm. and I'd love to get your opinion on that since mm. you see a lot of persecution um, I was gonna say real persecution but it's it it is I would love to hear mm-hmm. what you have to say about that but how do we as Christians remember these brothers and sisters and then how do we also like this American dream that you're talking about, mm-hmm. like letting go all, a lot of that is like, what is the, what does persecution look like for us here? Yeah. Uh, so on remembering them, and I love the way you put it, like remembering our brothers and sisters, because that's what they are. Like mm-hmm. we have family. 
we have family in prison. Yeah. Like picture, you have family mm. members. To, if you're in Christ, you have family members in prison. And so what, what should you be doing? Well, you should be praying for them and uh, certainly telling others about them. And uh, I just think, I mean, you mentioned earlier, so was a mom doing this? Like, I mean, teach your kids to be concerned about our family mm. in prison around the world. And you can learn about them and you can be a part of so this they do go together like unreached and persecution often go together because and once so, they become reached yes, there's often persecution exactly. that follows there, uh, there's all kinds of barriers and challenges to coming to faith in christ in those places i mean mo most of them are places where yeah there it may be illegal to become a christian it's illegal to share the gospel uh or not just illegal against the law there are family and social and honor shame structures that, I mean, if you come to Christ mm -hmm. in Somalia, it is likely a family. It's not necessarily the law. It's a family member that's going to potentially kill you. Kill you. And so uh, all that to say, so pray for it, learn about, like, and there's opportunities to explore. And that's one of the things we're trying to do radical-wise is uh, uh, through the organization is uh, kind of help people see, like we have a whole episode on, uh, or series on uh, YouTube, Neighborhoods and Nations, to try to introduce. And this is something we use with our kids uh, to help introduce, but not just for our kids, all in our church, um, to see. I think you'll probably talk more about that with Stephen. But yeah. uh, um, but to learn more about and to give to. Like, that's where uh, – and there are so many outlets. Uh, so this is not just a plug for uh, what we're trying to do. But, but we, we created something called Urgent to say, okay, here's opportunities where you can come alongside. Like, how do you, yeah, it's pretty challenging to get resources to our brothers and sisters in North Korea. Right. Or in Yemen mm -hmm. or in Somalia. Yeah. And so we've created a structure and behind the scene systems to be able to identify our mm -hmm. brothers and sisters in those places and come alongside them and get resources to them and to learn to pray about them. So that would be one avenue amongst many uh, uh, that somebody could go urgentneeds.org. But um, so I just think to be proactive yeah. in exploring those opportunities and then coming back into America uh, and persecution here, though, there's so much we could talk about here, but the way I would summarize it is the the point of persecution is to silence witness. That's that's the aim of persecution. Like if if a believer in Somalia, like from a definition standpoint, like this is what persecution yes, means for a believer. This is yeah. what this way because if you're a believer in Somalia and you're not sharing the gospel, you're not much of a threat, mm -hmm. and you don't ex you can not experience much persecution. It's when you start sharing the gospel that okay now now this could be really costly. I yeah. think about uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, who were just put in prison because they were they led some people to Christ and they were being baptized. Mm. Like when you're making disciples, that's when it's going. So now think about America. Like yeah, there there's different costs. I think about people. I mean, I think about people in the church I pastor who are experiencing whether they're teachers or they're in politics who, for following Jesus and holding fast biblical convictions, are experiencing costs for sure. Um, so what's the point of it? It's to silence witness, and so. Um, this is where it's really humbling and uh, convicting. If we're not sharing the gospel, we can, we can, we can avoid a lot of persecution mm. in America. It's when we start sharing the gospel that things will get harder for us. Mm. Are we willing to proclaim the gospel, to share the gospel, to go 
into an awkward zone in our conversations with people and and potentially pay a price the reality is we have freedom here to do that Mm -hmm. that our brothers and sisters don't have around the world and so are we stewarding that freedom or well they're tempted to be silent with the gospel because it will cost them are we tempted to be silent with the gospel it'll cost us a lot less Mm. but we have a lot more freedom and opportunity to do so. So I think one of the best ways we can support our brothers and sisters around the world is by showing we're bold and mm-hmm. fearless and sharing the gospel. Willing here. to If do we're the same. silent here and we're praying for them to be bold and sharing the gospel, wow. that makes no sense. Wow, that is convicting. Um, I think you told a story about um, people hiding Bibles and then going finding mm-hmm. them. Can yeah. you can you can you say yeah. tell my listeners that? Yeah, sure. I, I think about some of the folks we uh, are behind through urgent, and uh, I'll just speak generally. A part of Central Asia, but uh, a really hard place, mountainous region, remote, uh, with a lot of opposition to the gospel. And there's a small church that has started in this one village, and they get together late at night after everybody else has gone to bed. They get together and one of them goes out about a mile or two outside the village, uh, crawls into a cave and uh, takes a Bible out of the cave and walks back into the village and just kind of smuggled it under mm. his uh, jacket. And they, they get together in this house and they read the Bible. They whisper it to each other late at night. They're just soaking in the word and praying for each other and praying for the spread of the gospel in their village knowing i mean if they're caught it's Mm -hmm. over for them and then i mean this is the one bible they have then they take it back out before daylight hide it back in the cave and they'll do that again like that word is precious to them and it's worth their lives like to know it and to share it and so i i picture that like, yeah. is it how precious is this word to us mm. enough where we just want to know it and share it? Mm. That is convicting and beautiful. And just, I don't think I need to clarify this. I want to make sure but that when you say they like have a church, like it's not like a building where they're like hanging out where people would know. Just, I just want to make no, sure that's, that's clear. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's, clarification. It's like a, a, a dark room where no one, yeah. one of their homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's. It's super costly for them to gather together in that home for that purpose. Well, David, um, you've written lots of books, but you released a book just Mm. earlier this year in February um, called Don't Hold Back. Give us a little snippet about what that book is. Yeah. uh, So the the subtitle of it is uh, Leaving Behind the American Gospel to Follow Jesus Fully. And it really, so it's not just about unreached people, although there's part of the book that's about that, but uh, it does dovetail with a lot that we've been talking about um i just think we especially after pastoring the last few years in metro dc i think we have gotten really good at following a a gospel that instead of exhausting exalting jesus above everything in the world has prostituted jesus for the sake of comfort and power and politics and prosperity in our country and i i see the effects of that Mm. i talk to so many christians who are discouraged by what they see in the church disillusioned damaged by the church so many in the next generation who are disengaging from the church altogether i see division in the church and people just i think looking around saying i thought there was more to 
Jesus than this? I thought there's more to the church than this. And I've written this book to say there is. There is so much more to Jesus and so much more to the church and what we're experiencing around us. And we can experience it. Better put, we can experience Him. We can experience the awe-filled wonder of Jesus and otherworldly beauty of the church. But if we're going to do so, some things need to be different. And not just in those people out there, but in you right. and in me. Yeah. And so I, in this book, walk through just some things that I, I think we need to talk about and do if we're going to experience Jesus and all of his fullness mm. and this time and place that God's put us in. And so I, I hope that the book will be a challenge, but more so an encouragement mm. that we can experience him and we can experience him together as the church if we're willing to leave behind uh, an American gospel that revolves around some of the things we've talked about, comfort and power and prosperity and, again, politics in our country. Mm. Sometimes I think that there is just a lack of even awareness that that is like our, that American gospel exists in us mm-hmm. because most of us have lived our whole lives. We've grown up in this church our whole lives and often it placates that. It makes it easy uh, to live that way. And so I'm really encouraged by this conversation because these mm-hmm. are the conversations that I want to have for my own life. Um, because frankly, I just, I just don't want to get to the end and feel like it was all about me, uh, you know, and mm. that could be a tendency for me, for you, for all of us. Um, and so I'm super encouraged by this, David, thank you so much for your work that you do with radical, um, We'll put your book in the show notes, and I want everyone to get a hold of it. I want to ask you real quick before we go, what are you reading these days? Jamie wants to know. Jamie wants to know. We want to know what you're reading. Oh, uh, well, and before we go to, uh, I mean, yes, you may not have invited me over the podcast. Over <laughs> for nine, nine years. years <laughs> but I am so thankful for you and Aaron. Oh. And uh, I mean for many for more than nine years of serving alongside him uh in different youth all those camps man (laughs) wow but i am a big fan of jamie ivy and aaron david and uh so what am i reading uh the the first book that comes to my mind is uh it's an old book by andrew murray called waiting on god we've been in an adoption process where we've been waiting for about three years to go pick up uh a son of ours and it's it's led into a lot of meditation on waiting mm. and this this little book it's kind of intended to be read devotionally it's just super short chapters reflections really meditations on different instances of wait mm-hmm. in the bible and uh and really how the christian life is a life of waiting like mm. we we can't do anything without him and his help and uh there's there's a great little part of it uh Sorry, I'm about to get into a sermon, but I'll just make it really quick. I will take it. Isaiah 41, those who weigh the Lord shall renew their strength. Uh, There's one commentary on that that uh, said that word wait can mean, it basically means to rest trustfully. Mm. And I have held on to those two words. Because those two words taken apart are two different things. Yes. But they make sense when they go together when obviously God is in in the equation because that's the only way we can rest is if we're trusting mm. in him. And so I want to yeah, rest trustfully and in, 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 in my life in all kinds of ways. So anyway, 
waiting on God. And you said you read a book every day. Not a book. You read this book every day. Oh, I, oh and then the, uh, <laughs> I was like, it's no, amazing. you did not say that. It's amazing, like 600 pages a day. Uh, no, yeah. So, For the Love of God by D.A. Carson, yeah. that's, uh, I use the Bible reading plan, Robert Murray McShane Bible reading plan. And For the Love of God by D.A. Carson, I've read most every day for years. And yeah. uh, it's, I highly recommend that resource. Uh, one, just as a helpful Bible reading plan, but it's super helpful devotional and and helpful in even disciple making with others yeah well david thanks for coming on the happy hour and um we've got three more episodes where we're diving in to this mm. conversation so i look forward to it thank you so much thank you i told you guys that y'all were gonna love that interview i loved that conversation so much and stick around because the next conversation i have is with Stephen morales who actually works with relevant as well and so that was a fun conversation and then Andy Campman is coming up on the show he actually is at my church and so we have a great conversation and then Jessica from Elevate People which is an organization that the Happy Hour has partnered with plenty of times before so we're going to hear about the work that they are doing to help uh, reach the unreached people groups I want to say this we, we gave out some some places and some websites today I want you to know obviously they're always in our show notes so if you go to my webpage jamieivy.com you can find the show notes there I personally think the easiest way is to just just subscribe to the newsletter because then we're going to send it in your inbox every single week and you don't have to look for it. If you want to subscribe, go to jamieivy.com slash newsletter because there's a lot of things that you're going to want to look at. If you want to just check out Radical, go to radical.net and you can find all the information about what they're doing. The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive produced by Jamie Ivy, produced by Lindsay Sweeney, edited by Angie Elkins, show notes by Nikki Ogden, art by Jen Jet Barrett, original music by Matt Graham, and I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend.